This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. and welcome along to the latest Liverpool Echo Blood Red podcast. The international fixtures are almost over. We're just a few days away from seeing the Reds in action again and we've got plenty to discuss on today's show. We're going to start with a quick look at the decision by England to leave Trent Alexander-Arnold out of their squad for tonight's game with Germany. And for the main part of the show, we're going to take a look at some of the players out of contract at Anfield in 2023 amid speculation around Naby Keita and Roberto Firmino. Firstly, though, Theo, I'll come to you first on this one. I know you've been writing about it this morning. We've been here before several times with Trent Alexander-Arnold, so in some ways it probably shouldn't come as a massive shock, but it does just seem, again, like Gareth Southgate either doesn't particularly rate the Liverpool fullback, or perhaps more accurately just doesn't know quite how to best use them. Yeah, that's true. Like Southgate's always had this issue with Trent. He can't uh, find a way to get the best out of his abilities. Like England, they play this boring five-man defence, which I think has been found out a bit since the Euros and they're struggling to create. And maybe Trent doesn't really suit the wing-back role, but then he's still very attacking right-back. You think you'd play to his strengths as Liverpool do because you know he's going to create chances, you know he's going to set up goals and maybe that would be the way to unlock defences and get some positivity back in the team. But at the same time, this is probably the first time where you can say Southgate might have a point. Trent hasn't been in good form for this season. Probably wasn't at his best towards the end of last season as well. number of reasons here. You could say it's fatigue. that played so many matches last season. Klopp said that like, going to be the effects of playing so much football. Maybe it's finally caught up on Trent. He's still a very young player, despite all of that he's achieved. There are going to be these ups and downs. Maybe it's a hangover from like losing the final in Paris, missing out on the Premier League title. Like all these things are going to con- contribute. With um, England, they've got what Trippier, Walker, Reese James. We know England management; they prefer Reese James. They've got their Chelsea connections there. I think Steve Holland. Trent's always facing this uphill battle to get in. You think well, tonight's game it's a dead rubber. Like if you're not going to play him in that to give him a chance to play wing back or try a different formation then at the very best, he's just going to be a bench warmer at the World Cup in Qatar. Probably might not even make the squad at this rate. Like We thought he might miss out for the Euros. and In the end, he was one of four right-backs included before getting left out because of injury. Um, Liverpool, there are positives from it. Like It gives Trent a point to prove, doesn't it? Like The fact that he's been left out of this match day squad when the game really doesn't mean anything, well, he hasn't been at his best. He'll know that. Now he has to go back to club level and play his way into World Cup contention. And if he does and he's in that World Cup squad, it means he's done something right and Liverpool don't have to have any issues or concerns about his form. If he misses out or it's given him points to prove further, regardless of whether he picks up or not, and it means Klopp can just work with him closely at this uh, mid-season winter training camp that they're going to have, I think, out in Dubai. It's a, a strange situation because we all know how talented Trent is. But for Liverpool, it should be a case of win-win, positive at the uh, end of the rainbow. Yeah, absolutely. We'll come on to a couple of the other players shortly uh, in terms of who else might miss out on the World Cup potentially, which would be a good thing for Liverpool. But Lynchy, in terms of, of the England thing, I mean, I, I can take the, the point really of, of why Southgate wouldn't pick him at the moment. But then at the same time, all the talk after the game on Friday night was that England have scored, I think, one goal in five Nations League games. They don't look like scoring. They don't look particularly creative. To me, it it just seems obvious really that you've got a really 
top class playmaker on the bench that they can't really seem to, to get the most out of. But I know we uh, we were talking just quickly before we started recording. I know you've got a lot of opinions on this, so I'll, I'll let you come in and, and take the floor. Yeah, to be honest, I, you know, people might not expect me to say this, but I, I do sort of sympathise with Gareth Southgate, really, in terms of, of not using Trent. I mean, he's got the best record of, of any England manager since, what, Alf Ramsey, probably. You know, the, the, the big decisions he's made around Trent Alexander-Arnold up to this point have been proven utterly correct at, at every major tournament so far. Um, you know, England, quite unlucky, really, not to win the Euros last time. When he goes to penalties, he's one of those, isn't it? Um, and obviously, he got to the semi-finals of the World Cup without Trent Alexander-Arnold. So it's not like, you know, Southgate's England have massively missed him at right back, especially when you've got a bit of an embarrassment of riches there. And I don't, I just don't think now is the time either that he will, would, he would expect any manager to, to turn to a new player in that way. I think, you know, he's shown that what he's got options-wise in that position, he, he really he trusts those players and they, they've been the ones who've, who've got his England team to these, you know, gone deep in major tournaments. And, and although I, I take your point in terms of, Trent Alexander-Arnold's creativity, we haven't actually seen that much of that in a Liverpool shirt, as we mentioned. His, his form hasn't been fantastic. And also, you know, when you're a manager and you're in a tough moment, I don't think that's the time to start experimenting. We, we've seen that with Jürgen Klopp already this season. The Ajax performance, for example, was much improved, but it was much improved with a lot of the same personnel who had been poor uh, in, in, in weeks prior to that. I think you, you really then as a manager those tough times are the ones when you really sort of rely on the players you know really well and, and, and the systems you know really well and I think he's he's not going to experiment now between now and the World Cup and I, you know maybe it's it, there's probably no point in taking Trent Alexander-Arnold with that in mind and, and, and I don't think it's a reflection of, on him as a player I think Gareth Southgate knows he's got limitations in certain other areas of the team that it's going to make it very difficult to fit him in and that experiment's not going to start now maybe it starts after the World Cup if Gareth Southgate is, is still the England manager where he starts trying to look for a way to get Trent Alexander-Arnold in but it's it's just not going to happen now I don't think Trent probably deserves it in terms of his form either to, to, to jump ahead of other right backs and I, and I, and I can totally sympathise with and, and understand why Gareth Southgate A isn't willing to experiment and B why he's so you know will, happy to stick with what he's got and what he knows because he's a manager who's under a little bit of pressure at the moment he's got a system and a team that has worked at previous major tournaments stick with that and just do what you usually do a lot better rather than looking for something a little bit new yeah, no, I completely take that point. I, I think it is a bit of a, a shame for, for Trent individually, but there's yeah. a, a number of, of other players as well in, in a similar situation, I suppose, Tom. You look at, say, Thiago with Spain, looks like he's been overlooked in, in this international break, probably isn't the, the best position for him to be in. You've got Joel Matip, obviously, doesn't do international football. Henderson, unlikely to play a big role. There's Diaz, Robertson, Salah, a couple of others as well that are not going to the tournament as much as it's probably a shame for these players to miss out on these tournaments. They don't come around too often. For Liverpool, there is actually quite a growing list of players now that are going to have you know, a little break, a little mini pre-season in the, the middle of this campaign. <clears throat> yeah, and I think um, you know something like that is probably what Liverpool need at this time because um, you know Theo has already mentioned it about the amount of football a lot of these players have, have played in the last year or two. Um, so, you know, having that sort of mini break within the season is it can only be a good thing for them. Um, they're obviously going to lose that rhythm they would have had if they were playing, you know, at the World Cup. But that period could be used, you know, just for training um, with the t rest of the team, the other players that are staying behind. So, you know, it just gives them a chance to just regroup, really. Um, you know, like you said, that period can be used to work on other things maybe that the team have been struggling with. There's going to be quite a few of them who aren't going to be at the World Cup. 
and in the second half of the season, depending on you know where Liverpool find themselves at going into the the break for the tournament, you know it could be really important that there aren't going to be too many players actually going because like some Manchester City, pretty much all of their squad is going to be involved, likely to be getting to sort of the latter stages as well. So, you know, if Liverpool are serious about sort of, you know, still making a title challenge in the second half of the season, that's something that could really play into their hands, you know, having those players that are ready to go that are not going to be absolutely knackered coming on the back of a tournament. So, yeah, we've seen it, like I said, we've seen it last season, players trying to pick themselves up from, you know, a sort of 60-game season, so having that, you know, a selection of players that aren't going to have those extra games, you know, on top of the on top of the belt is going to be a good thing for Liverpool. Yeah, absolutely. There's the likes of Elliot and Cavalio and Curtis Jones as well that are not going to be going to the World Cup. So, well, you know, I can know that's going to get in that squad then, Matt. Probably not. Fabio Cavalio could still, but unlikely. But, uh, it's more likely, to, surely. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. But uh, anyway, we'll move on to the second part of the show. The main part, really, that we're going to talk about is the contract situations, what the futures might hold for Naby Keita, Roberto Firmino and Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, one or two others as well out of contract. But we'll focus on those players. I'm sure actually during the World Cup, we'll come back and have another look at this as that pre-contract agreement potentially could edge a little bit closer. Obviously, all of these players can agree that from the 1st of January with clubs abroad. But let's go for, for Naby Keita first, Theo. Obviously, a couple of links this morning from Germany with Borussia Dortmund. And I suppose that makes a little bit of sense in some ways. What's your sort of view on it at this point? It, it, it kind of feels to me like he's still on the one hand got a bit to offer Liverpool, but at the same time, it could be sort of petering out towards an end. Yeah, thanks for giving me this one. The nice one that we all wanted to talk we'll, about. We'll come, to all, we'll come to all of us <laughs> on this. We'll all take the hit on Navi Keita. Um, I, I think I said it on the podcast last week that if you really back me into a corner to make a call on it now, I think he's going to go. Like it's, it's a case of his Liverpool career has just been injury after injury. When he does get in, he does play well, um, but he can't stay consistently fit. And there's, there's been these reports of he's unhappy, he wants reassurances about his playing time and just everything. It doesn't scream, oh, they're desperate to get this compromise in negotiations. I know Jurgen Klopp's come out and said he, he wants to keep him. But I'm saying this now when Naby Keita is currently sidelined. In a month's time, we're expecting him to be back from injury. Um, he could have a good few weeks before the World Cup break. And then second half of the season, put in the exact sort of performances he was for the majority of last year when he was staying injury-free. And it's like, oh, he's one of Liverpool's best midfielders. He should be starting week in, week out. He's fully deserving of a contract. It's just hard because he hasn't been first choice week in, week out for Liverpool since he joined. He probably wanted to be. Jürgen Klopp probably thought he could be if he stayed fit. But they've had to build this squad where they've got so many midfield options that they can rotate between them. That he's never going to be a first name on that midfield team sheet. Fabinho was the only untouchable there. So it's if the rumours of him not being happy with his role and wanting reassurances, what does Naby Keita want to do? Um, he'll listen to offers money from elsewhere, you think, in January, and then they'll just make a decision from there. It's not like with um, Mohamed Salah, where they got it done a year to go. Like, this is now or never for Liverpool. You need to find a compromise or he probably will go. It's just he's going to have to really buck up his ideas when he gets back. That's a harsh thing to say because it's not his fault that he gets injured. He's not going to have wanted it to happen. Like he missed a game through illness and Liverpool was so secretive about this latest injuries. Got we thought it'd be a, a lot worse than an October comeback from what's been said. We just need to see Naby Keita 
back on the pitch and to then rest all these doubts in, my, uh, in our minds, put them all, get rid of them. And then, oh, yeah, he obviously deserves this contract. We could rely on him in play games. Like, he's the only midfielder, apart from Artur and that squad, who should be at the peak of his powers in terms of age. He's got a good few years left ahead of him. He could be part of Liverpool's future. But at the same time, you wouldn't be surprised if he did decide for seeking a challenge like Sadio Mane did last year. Um, as you said, Dortmund links. He's been linked with a return to Germany before. Makes sense because he was so good in Germany. But then it seems quite lazy to go, Dortmund might need to replace Jude Bellingham. Liverpool might like to sign Jude Bellingham. Maybe they could just give him Naby Keita. But we'll, we'll see. He's always this marmite for a figure in the Liverpool squad, isn't he? And that's not going to change, even if he's back in four to six weeks and scores a hat-trick against someone ridiculous. Like, say he's back early and scores a hat-trick against Man City. Sure, a month down the line, we'll still be going, is Naby Keita going to sign a new contract? Does he deserve a new contract? It's always going to be like this with him. Yeah, he is clearly a good player, Lynchian. I think out of all the players that we're going to talk about actually in this group, he's probably the one that I could make the biggest case for getting a new deal. But at the same time, it just doesn't feel particularly likely at this point. It's it's very, very rare, as Theo says, that you get into the, the, the last 12 months of, of a contract situation and these things change. It just doesn't feel like one of those that is going to change. It doesn't feel like he's going to be fit enough, if anything else, to be able to convince Liverpool to change their mind at this point. No, exactly. Um, that you know, that's been his, his biggest problem at Liverpool, isn't it? In terms of his availability, he just hasn't quite managed it. I think we saw last season what a useful player he can be when he was. It was a big part of that sort of quadruple push. He played an awful lot of games, and he was coming in and out of the team and, and, and showing that he, you know there is a lot of talent there. And he, you know, he, he is a, a, a midfielder of that level. But I just, I don't think he's quite world class, which is what I think we thought they were getting when he signed him. And, and the injuries is just it's just too big a problem. You you can't have squad depth if you have someone who is is out that frequently. It, it just doesn't exist. It's it's almost pointless having him. And and you know you think whatever the contract would be that he was expecting money wise, I think Liverpool would look at it and think, well, you know, would we be desperate to sign him on this contract if he wasn't our player and he put in these numbers and these these amount of appearances elsewhere? And I would argue absolutely not, not a, not a chance. And. Yeah, I know this. You know, you get semi-regular reports about contract negotiations ongoing with him, but I, you know, I think I've said it before on this podcast. I don't quite buy it. I, I just don't get the idea that Liverpool are desperate to tie him down, having put five years worth of wages into not an awful lot of return. Probably one, one quite good season, which I think was last season, and, and the rest sort of questionable. Really, I know there's been other successes that have happened around them, but he was never, never really a major part of them. So. I don't think Liverpool would be desperate to, to tie him down to a new long-term deal or anything like that. Um, I know that probably gives them a little bit of work to do in midfield next summer, but that's probably preferable. I think they'll you know they'll have targets out there who think will do a better job, who are hopefully more robust and fit in a little better. Because I think I think looking at it, they would possibly question as well whether they got thing they got things exactly right in terms of scouting around Naby So I think they thought he was going to be a totally different player to what they ended up with. I think they thought he was going to play a totally different role for Liverpool as well and, and things haven't quite worked out. So I think that's something that they need to take learnings from as well and, uh, and probably just cut the losses this summer and say, you know, thanks for your service and, and move on. Yeah, even last season, I think he started 19 games, Premier League and Champions League, I think it was, something like that, which is probably a lot less than what you'd imagine, given he was fit for, for the majority of it. But just before we move on from Cater, I'll let you have your say as well, Tom. I mean, if fitness wasn't an issue, and obviously that's a, a huge if with Naby Keita, it very much is. But if you take that out of the question, is he 
done enough, do you think, in his time at Liverpool so far to convince you that he can fit into this Liverpool team and, and there's an argument in, in that case? Or do you think there's even possibly questions on that side of things too? Um, I think it's probably a bit of a difficult one to sort of make a case for giving him a new contract, really. Um, you know, he's had a few good games for Liverpool during his time at the club, but, you know, as Theo and David have sort of mentioned there, he, it's very it's been very much hit and miss with Cater. There's never really been any period where you, you kind of felt that he was, you know, a central figure in the team and, and deserved to be starting every week. Um, you know, I know you said take away the injury problems, but that's obviously not something the Liverpool recruitment team probably, you know, will have the option of doing. So, I think when you take into account the injury record, the performances have been good on occasion. Like you said, last year he did perform well in certain matches. Um, he scored a few good goals last season as well for the team. But I think if you're just judging it overall and his overall contribution, you know, what he brings to the team, I think Liverpool could really benefit from just moving a few of these players out that have been, you know, around the team for a few years now, but, you know, just haven't been available and, and haven't quite know hit the levels that they've either shown or people thought they would reach so I think it's probably the best time really for all parties to to kind of cut the losses and you know just explore different options in midfield and I think Kate is probably one of those players that would probably benefit from you know being at a new club as well where he can kind of um, not reinvent himself but have an opportunity to have more regular game time if he can stay fit so I think it probably makes sense to uh, to get rid of him to be honest. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. We'll move on to Roberto Firmino next, Theo. I mean, with him, it's it, it's a tough one. He's almost a little bit like we've had conversations about James Milner of kind of what his role was meant to be. And he's ended up playing probably a lot more than what most people would have thought it was going to be. But where do you sort of sit with him? Would it be more easy to justify an extension had Darwin Nunez and Diogo Jota played every game this season and he was doing the role he was meant to do or is it the end of the line for Roberto Firmino as well potentially? Um, I'm stuck in two minds on Firmino. I think you're going to let the decision rest with him so to speak. It's like with Sadio Mane he wanted the seat new pastures. I think if Firmino wants to go fair enough he's been such a good servant he's fit into that but I think he's also said that he'd love to stay at Liverpool and that is the priority. So you try and find a compromise. I think he's one of the higher earners in the squad at the moment. And he's perhaps not deserving of that status from what we've seen the last couple of years. He's certainly not the goals you'd want from a striker, even we know he's not this traditional number nine. So it's where they get terms reduced like they've done with uh, Milner for his renewal in the summer. But uh, it's one where he's... He's had a good season so far and I think we all wrote him off last year because he was picking up the injuries for the first time we'd seen in his Liverpool career. He did his hamstring a few times, but he seems to have hopefully shaken them off so far for this season. You just need him to keep delivering when he's turned to. Like He made such a big difference in he coming on, I think, was it in the derby. Like he's still got a role to play. He might not be a 20-30 goals a season striker and they've got Jostra who's going to score goals and hopefully Nunes who's going to score goals in that team. Um whether you swap to a 4 2 3 1, you have him in there as a number 10. There are going to be games when you need this false nine, and you've still got Salah who's going to cut inside and get goals. Diaz, who can do the same. It's just about finding his role in this new Liverpool as they move forward. Um, when he's fit, he's still a very talented player. He's just going to have to adapt to this new role, likes of 
Henderson and Milner are going to have to over the next few years or have done in recent years where you're not starting every week. You're now adapting to more a senior player in the squad. You're more of a, a rotation option to offer that experience. And it's just if he wants that, like you could go to most teams and be first choice for them, either as a, a number 10 or up front. Yeah, it might be a, a step down for him. It's just how happy he is at Liverpool, how happy his family are at Liverpool. If they want to stay, surely you find a way to get him to stay. If not, go with our blessing. He's such a hard sort of player to, to think of, of someone like him, Minchie, but Liverpool are going to have to find a way of replacing him, whether that's directly, whether that's with a, a different type of player at some point, even if he was to sign a short-term extension, they are going to have to be thinking about those sorts of things. But like I say, it's it's something they're going to have to do at some point. Is that going to be next summer, though? What, what do you reckon? Yeah, well, I think the, the fact that it's profile-wise is so difficult to to sort of replace and um, it has really been shown up in the, the signing of Darwin Nunez. Liverpool have gone in a completely different direction. And I think for that reason that, you know, you're never going to find another Roberto Firmino to come in and play that false nine role in the same way with such intelligence and work rate and, you know, been such a brilliant player for Liverpool down the years. I suspect out of the group of players who are sort of coming up to the end of the contracts that he's the one that Jurgen Klopp would have most ideally like to keep around because he loves him. You know, absolutely loves him as a player and he's been so important down the years and he still has a little bit of a role to play. You know, that slightly withdrawn role. We've seen him sort of attacking midfield in a 4-2-3-1 late in games and things like that. Um, you know, he's, he's definitely capable of that, um, you know, and then offering you a little bit of something different as a sort of backup centre forward. But I think I think Theo is absolutely spot on in terms of it comes down really to what the player wants. And I think at this stage of his career, he can go and play a lot more football elsewhere. He can, you know, he's won everything that's possible to win at Liverpool now. It might just feel that that chapter's closed. And I think Liverpool are not going to say, you know, they're not going to be absolutely desperate to keep him in terms of saying, OK, we'll offer you any sort of silly money. So I just think, you know, a natural break seems sort of obvious at this point. But um, but yeah, what a player he's been and, 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 you know, almost unique really in terms of the way he's played that role. And that's why Liverpool have, have not even tried to replace him and go for Nunez, I think. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one, isn't it? I think by the time his contract ends, he'll be nearly 32. So it kind of feels like the the, the time really for, for him to move on, Tom. But then at the same time, we're already talking about if Cater goes, if Oxlade-Chamberlain that we're going to move on to in a, a second, if he goes as well, Liverpool are going to have a lot to do next summer. There's possibly the, the biggest argument almost for, for keeping Firmino is that you give yourself maybe one less thing to do in a summer where they're going to have to already spend a hell of a lot of money. <clears throat> yeah, I think... Um... You know, over the last few years, that, I think that's been one of the main reasons for Liverpool's success is they've had that continuity of the team of, you know, keeping that core group of players at the club each year. Um, but on the other side of that, if you look like this summer at Man City, for example, they've la- allowed players to go Raheem Sterling, Jesus, which are players, you know, they could have kept at the club potentially. Um, obviously, they've gone and pursued different options within the Premier League, but I think that just shows, you know, a side like City, they don't sort of stand still, they keep evolving. Um, and maybe it's time Liverpool, you know, although they've had this core group of players that have done so well over the last few years, maybe it is time to start, you know, saying, OK, maybe it's time we, you know, we need to get some new players in the door because there's only so long you can have this group of players delivering for you each season. Um, you know, Mane's already gone. Salah's obviously staying, but Firmino... I think he's a good player to have from the bench going forward. I don't think he's going to be, you know, a number one choice in attack anymore. So again, it will just come down to if he's happy to be carrying on playing that role from the bench. But 
I know you said about, you know, you don't want to lose too many players, but I think it might just be the right time for Liverpool to start letting go of some of these guys that have been at the club for a few years because, as I was saying... Ruthless. But no, it, it, just, it just seems like the right time, really, um, the natural time for them to leave the club. It's probably, it's probably the right time exactly because they haven't been ruthless enough in probably the last two summers when yeah. you know, Oxlade-Chamberlain is one that we'll, we'll come on to. If they'd have been a bit more ruthless then, they wouldn't have to have then been doing it all next yeah, year. Exactly, yeah. I think yeah, I think it probably makes sense for a lot of the people that are out of contract to go, but that's not to say that they haven't been good players for the club. It's just it just seems the right time to to sort of change things, really. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, we'll move on to to Alex Oxley Chamberlain. Then I've teased him a couple of times already in the podcast. I'll come to you on this one, Theo. First, I mean, is there any way that he could earn himself a new deal at Liverpool? I suppose the first thing he's got to do is get himself fit. Yeah, he could earn a new deal if it's um, working for the YouTube channel or LFC TV. <laughs> That's more we've seen him do the last couple of years, isn't it? Playing-wise, he's done. He's not played for the team since, what, Forest in March? And then it's another injury. He's another one who's been cursed by these horrible injuries. I think whenever we talk about Oxlade-Chamberlain, the defence we come up for him is, well, he's homegrown. He ticks that box. But if he wasn't homegrown, we'd just get rid of him long ago. But he d- there's no benefit to having him as a 10th like, in the pecking order now. You'd much rather see Carvalho get those minutes, Elliot get those minutes, Jones get those minutes. And you'd want to see now Artur Mello get those minutes to see if he's deserving of a permanent contract. He's just fallen so far down the pecking order with these injuries. Yeah, he's versatile. And he did a decent job-ish um, replacing Salah during AFCON, didn't he? He got a couple of goals. It's like, well, that's benefit there. But it's like um, the issue we saw with, say, Adam Alana a couple of years ago when he was so important for Liverpool at the start of Klopp's reign, like Oxlade-Chamberlain was brilliant in that first season when they got to the Champions League final, once he settled. And then just the injuries hit him and Liverpool outgrew the player as they got better and better. Liverpool outgrew Lalana, they've outgrown Oxlade-Chamberlain. He needs a fresh start elsewhere, somewhere where he can play some games. At Liverpool's his boyhood club. He's come there, he's won trophies. He's shown what he can actually do a good job in midfield. It's just a shame that it's turned out this way with the injuries. When he's been fit, he's provided goals. He's a very likeable, popular player in this squad. But if the time's right for Kater or Firmino to go, it's certainly right for Oxley chamberlain to go. Yes, certainly ruthless from Theo there as well. But uh, Lynchy, what, what's your thoughts on it? I mean, the, the way I'd look at it, I suppose, is would, would he be a player that Liverpool would look at if he was sort of at Arsenal now in the situation when they bought him? It just feels like Liverpool don't make that kind of signing anymore and therefore giving him a contract extension, therefore, should surely be out of the question. Yeah, I mean, he was he was quite a big signing at the time, if you recall, really, because Liverpool had only just replaced Arsenal in the Champions League spots. And, and you, you couldn't quite know for certain that the trajectory of the clubs was going to go the way it, it did from that point. So for Oxley chamberlain to really sort of be on board with signing for Liverpool felt like a big statement at the time. And, and obviously his vision and, and Jürgen Klopp's vision, you know, was, was proven true, really, in terms of, you know, where Arsenal went after that and where Liverpool went and what they've won since. And, um, you know, so it, it did feel like a big signing, but there was a big problem outside of his injury as well, which is probably worth mentioning. I think it also counts for Cater a little bit is that the system changed so rapidly between, you know, before the sort of summer of 28. So, yeah, they started the 2018-19 season. The system's completely changed to just lock down the midfield completely and, and have all the creativity run through the fullbacks. And I think that, sort of it muted Cater and, and Oxlade-Chamberlain. He never really sort of had a natural role in the side from that point forward. I mean, 
Oxlade Chamberlain's been sort of quite useful in terms of being a maybe a rotational option in the forward position. Theo Wright to mention is is sort of important goals last season when when Salah was at the Afcon and, and Mane as well. And, and they, you know, that that's in, uh, been an important element for him. But in terms of that midfield, you know, you feel he's natural as, as sort of the right-sided eight where Henderson has generally played, but he's just never been able to consistently get it wrong because he's never been quite as good at covering Alexander-Arnold on that right-hand side. He's not, you know, he's not a central midfielder and his head is an attacking midfielder. And so, you know, it's it, it's been difficult to ever see him really getting a sustained run in the team. So, you know, you talk about, is that the type of signing Liverpool would make? I would say no, I think, they're much better now, or they would like to think they're much better now, having a clear idea of where a player fits in. And I think that's that's been a little thing that's, you know, you would you would look back on Cater and Oxley Chamberlain signings and say, that change of system absolutely killed them. And you had two players then who saw out the rest of the contracts on big money uh, for quite a few years without a real role to play in the team. And that that was a little bit of a problem. And I, I don't think that's going to massively change to you now in the end of the season. And then all of a sudden, Oxley Chamberlain gets his contract, if I'm honest. Um, but, you know, Still a player who's had some some big moments, big goals, you know, iconic moments at Liverpool. Um, you know, would have liked to play an awful lot more, but but still, you know, can walk away having known that he's contributed to some big successes and a big journey. Um, but yeah, definitely like like Cater, time for him to probably move on and, and go and play a little bit more football elsewhere and hopefully sort of stay fit for a little longer as well. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, a little bit like Keita at the end of, of last season in particular, kind of had the, the sort of spell of being fit, but still didn't really get on the pitch as much as what he would have liked. So even then, it, it kind of felt like Liverpool could have been a bit more ruthless, but they weren't in the end. But we'll finish. Just, sorry, just to uh, sorry, on that, sorry. Matt, actually, that's that really good point, actually, about the, the not selling the players. You feel like other clubs around the top six would have been better uh, cutting the losses on Keita and Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain a little bit better. And I know... You know, we, we, we lavish a lot of praise on Liverpool's transfer model and the people who work within it, and rightly so. They've been very, very good and, and you know, as close to flawless as they could get in recent years. But I think one area where they've fallen short, and, and you would perhaps say that COVID was a massive element of this, and that, that is a fair point, but it is, is sort of getting those players off the books when it became apparent quite early on, as I said in the contracts, that they weren't really going to be massively useful to Liverpool. You know, Liverpool weren't able to then move them on for decent money or just... Or just try and get them out out the door, and uh, and that's cost them really because, as you say, they've now got this huge job on next summer in terms of what they do with the midfield, and that you know that's that's going to be you know, a bit of a headache that they probably didn't need and, and probably caused a little bit for themselves. You only need to look at Man City for the best way of how they've done that. You think of uh, Sterling, Jesus, Zinchenko. They've got rid of some big players who have good squad options at the very least, if not starting. They're certainly contributing more for them than Cater or Oxlade Chamberlain have done for a longer period at Liverpool and it was like, they'd still do a very good job for Man City and they've gone round to other Premier League teams and they've been top performers from them but City got good money for them so like, was it over 100 million easily for the three of them so it's like well, Liverpool are never going to be able to command that sort of fee for their players because they've sort of got them wasting in reserve Like that's a bit harsh to say on Cater or Firmino because they have delivered a lot and they do play when they're fit, but Oxide Chamberlain's just fallen down the pecking order and there's no way for him to get back up it. Uh, I think Doyley said on podcast before, maybe Liverpool's transfer stance changed that they'd been more willing to get rid of one of these midfielders in the summer if they'd got in sure many or if Dortmund had been more likely to negotiate with Bellingham. So they'll just keep him for a year, let them see out the contracts. Um, they have done that in the past with, like, say, Ginny Wijnaldum, Emery Chan, like 
that see the benefit of keeping them, even if they don't get the transfer fee coming in, it'll save them more money than spending big on someone there and then to replace them. But we're getting to this stage now where we're talking about players who aren't contribu- contributing enough on the field. Like Cater, he could make us all of us eat our words and have a brilliant second half of the season after the World Cup. Or he could get injured again in January and we won't see him until March. And then he'll play five games and then just be frozen out for a month because he's not going to sign a new contract. It, it could go either way. Um, yeah, they've not been ruthless enough. They've been valued squad players, but we're talking about players that should have been more than that. And it's just not really a mess, but it's something that they have fallen behind Man City in when you see how they've got so much out of Sterling, Jesus, and now they're still two of the better performers in the Premier League during the opening weeks of the season. That's not going to happen if Oxley chamberlain goes to what a West Ham or wherever next year, is it? Yeah, certainly plenty of work to do. We'll just finish, Tom, with a, a quick word on James Milner as well. Obviously signed a, a little bit of an extension, but he could be another one out of the door next summer or probably will be, given he'll be, I think, 37 in, in January, I think it is. So, again, that's... We say this every one. year, Matt. Don't be so mean. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's got to stop eventually, hasn't he? But, uh, yeah, another one, Tom, to, to throw into the mix as well. Yeah, Mil- Milner's probably a bit of a difficult one, really, out of the, sort of the options you've listed, because... I think he's been such a, a good servant for the club and, you know, underrated for most of his time at Liverpool, I would say, just not only from Liverpool fans, really, but just sort of the wider um, public, really, other supporters of other clubs. I don't think anyone really sort of gives him enough credit for what he's done throughout his career and especially at Man City as well. It never really felt like he was sort of truly appreciated by their fans as well. Um, you know, when he left, it was kind of that you know, oh, well, you know, we've got enough options in the team. But, you know, Liverpool obviously, you know, reap the rewards of, of getting him on a free contract. Um, and, yeah, I think for Liverpool, he's been a, a great player over the years. He's, you know, obviously filled in at left back for that season, played in midfield. He's played at full, well, he's played wherever really Klopp's wanted him to. And he's always performed to a high standard. So I don't think anyone can have, you know, any questions about, his quality of what he's done for Liverpool. But the only thing I would say about Milner is this season, you have just seen, you know, maybe it's catching up with him a little bit now this year. We saw it a couple of times last season as well, when there was a couple of games we had to play out of position, went up against Foden, I think, at Anfield at fullback. And that was was sort of one of the first times when I, I watched and I thought, okay, maybe, you know, maybe we're seeing sort of getting to the end of his time, but, he then bounced back from that and put in a number of good performances uh, second half of last season. I think the problem for Milner this season has been he's just been forced to play so many games he wouldn't have normally been playing. So it's kind of stood out a lot more this season. So normally he would have just been coming on 10, 15 minutes to go to see those games out. But because he's been starting all of them, <laughs> and that's when it sort of shines a light on, you know, James Milner probably shouldn't be playing all these games. But the fact that he only signed a new one-year deal last summer, I would be surprised if it gets extended past that again um, next summer. I think it's probably just about the right time, really, for him to go. Um, you know, that will take him to eight years next summer if he gets to that. So, yeah, I think that's probably a fair time for Milner to go. And I think, um, you know, depending, it depends what his plans are as well. I, I suppose he wants to keep keep playing regularly. You know, he could easily sign for a, Leeds United, you know, that's been a team that's been mentioned quite a lot returning there. You know, he probably would get a lot of games playing for Leeds. So, 
yeah, I think it probably would make sense if uh, you know it just comes to a natural end next summer for Milner. Yeah. You could always take a player coach role. Yeah, There's still room to manoeuvre there. Like if we'd had this conversation about Milner last year and say February March time, we'd have all said he's done. He's going to go. He's not getting the game times. He's picked up a few injuries, and it's a natural parting of the ways. But then he was brilliant for those final two three months of the season as they're going for the quadruple. He's still got something to offer. It's just whether he still has something to offer in April, and then it's what the player wants to do. If his legs are still going, if he thinks he's not losing a bit of, it's not pace, but you know what I mean, losing the speed of the game, that he can still compete at the highest level. Whether he wants to go and play 40 games a season elsewhere, or if he's happy with his current role. Because let's be honest, he's not played that many games in a season for a number of years now since he fell down the pecking order. So it'd be a big ask for him to go and do it elsewhere. He's shown these attributes to be a good coach or a good manager. Maybe he just plays a bit less, becomes a player coach at Liverpool, picks up the Jay Spearing role next year, plays a few under-21 games as an overage player, plays in the Papa Johns. But yeah, see how he does towards the end of the campaign and make a decision there. But I suppose what we're saying here is Liverpool are going to release everyone on a free transfer and spend about £500 million to bring in 10 players next year, bring on the summer. Well, I'm glad you said that and not me. So uh, <laughs> any of those aggregator accounts at Theo Squires Echo, definitely not anybody else who said that. But yes, exactly that, really. I think that'll just about do us plenty of decisions to be made at Anfield. Not loads of time in which to do that, but it'll be interesting to see what they do over the course of the next few months. And of course, we'll have all of the updates in all of the usual places. For now, though, I think that's all we've got time for. Thanks for listening and for watching. And goodbye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.